If it wasn't for y'all, we'd be driving Cadillacs and having second homes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Uh, and thank you, Rob, wherever you are. In God we trust. I mentioned that last Sunday morning. Uh, we People just put enough money in my pockets to buy uh, 10. There's nothing in there now but napkins. It's all gone. I've emptied my pockets. We bought 10 posters. They're being processed right now through Hobby Lobby. And we didn't buy the cheap things. You know, we, we bought a nice, very nice, uh, frame and everything. We've got 10 of them already paid for. If you want to be a part of that, just mark God we trust on an envelope. It's uh, about $25 a poster is what we're paying. The posters we're doing here, so it's not costing us except just ink and all, but, but we are doing $50 frames, uh, and they're half price. Uh, and Hobby Lobby's got this crazy thing that uh, I said, well, just sell them to me. I mean, all we're going to do is slip the poster in there. I can't sell them to you half price unless I do it. So we made the posters and we took it to them. So, of course, we're waiting on them now. Uh, but hopefully uh, it, it will not last long. And then some good news today just to cheer you up. Our bus is inside the shop. It is inside the shop. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but it is in the shop. So we praise the Lord, looking forward to something soon, soon, soon. <clears throat> it's been a rough day already. I tell you, I was getting up this morning, I thought, I want some good purple hull peas. Did you see them peas, baby? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I put them things on and went to the shower. I thought, I got plenty of time. Man, when I got back, they were burnt to a crisp. <laughs> so it's green beans in our house today. <laughs> no purple hulls, amen? Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. This closes out our series. All summer we've been in the gospel for 21st century America, and we're just summing it all up now and putting it in perspective. And uh, I trust that uh, God is going to use this. I trust God's going to pump us up evangelistically wise. We have Dr. Matt Queen. He is the uh, uh, professor chair of uh, Southwestern Seminary in evangelism he'll be with us in october the last sunday of october saturday and sunday and we'll be having some workshops and he'll be preaching too it'll be a great time if you remember him he's a wonderful preacher and a tremendous professor so we're looking forward to that we're gearing up for the fact that jesus is going to come again we need to do everything we can to get ready because he's coming soon acts chapter 8 Beginning in verse 26, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says in verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto a way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. 
The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran there to him, heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Do you understand what you read? And he said, How can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered uh, Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, uh, passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for the precious music, the Spirit of God in this place today. Lord, thank you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to deal with each one of us. This would be an unusual service. Lord, where the power of God falls fresh on this place. Lord, I don't know if we're ready for it or not. But, oh, God, I wish you'd give us a shot. Lord, I wish you'd just fall fresh where we couldn't talk, we couldn't see. We just were blinded by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. I pray, I pray, Lord, you'll work in hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I think as we sum up the gospel for the 21st century America, I think we would discover two things if you've really got the gospel. I think number one, you would discover that we're far worse off than we thought we were. When you begin to examine your life and you begin to let God speak to your heart, you find out you're far worse off than what you ever thought you were. But at the same time, you find out you're far more loved than you ever dreamed because the Lord Jesus loves you. It's not his will any should perish, but all come to life. Loved you so much that he provided a way for you to escape hell. It is wrong for a preacher to stand in a pulpit 365 days a year and talk about how wonderful heaven is and never warn anybody that there's a place called hell. Not everybody's going to heaven. In fact, not a majority is going to heaven. In fact, the scripture says, few there be that enter into that straight and narrow way. Now, there are several methods of evangelism used in the life of that early church. We have about 35, maybe 40 at the most, years of the early church written in the book of Acts. We find that they had preaching evangelism. They had teaching evangelism. They had house-to-house -house evangelism. We're, we're doing all of those same things, too. They had literary, 
But personal evangelism, one-on-one, was the most important evangelism that they had. Uh, Billy Graham, just several years ago, preached to the largest gathering in church history when he preached in Korea. You and I are probably not going to preach to a crowd like that. But I'll tell you, just as important as preaching to thousands is important to one-on-one with the people we love, the people we serve with, the people we're around all the time. We need to open our mouth. We need to be loving and courteous and considerate, and we need to share with others what Christ has done for us. If he hadn't done anything for you, just shut up. But if you're sitting here this morning and you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, it costs his life. Don't fall for this deal now that he just wiped sins away. No, he didn't. He demanded a payment for those sins. And Jesus became the payment for those sins. He didn't wipe our sin away. He washed it away through the blood of Jesus Christ. In our text, we have everything needed. There are always four things that you need to have somebody saved. And I'll say three on in the path, but I I get mixed up. Uh, But there there, there is a, a, a lost eunuch here. If you're going to get somebody saved, you need somebody lost. Amen? I mean, somebody's got to be lost. So here's a lost eunuch here. Secondly, uh, there is an obedient Christian. Philip in, wasn't in his right mind. But you see, the song that Laura sang sums it up. It's not about your right mind. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. There's nobody in their right mind would have left an evangelistic crusade in Samaria. It'd be like this auditorium's good filled today, but it would be like it would be packed like sardines and people standing out and everything. And I say, well, y'all on your own. uh, God told me to head south. I'm going down to Tenney Hall or Timpson. You say, well, preacher, that's crazy. This place is loaded with people here. That's not what God said to See, he, he, he was an obedient uh, uh, servant. And then you got the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God has to be there when folks are saved. It's through the Word of God. And then, of course, there's the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's not touching you, you can't even be saved. Hmm. Well, uh, let me just di- dissect this here quickly. First of all, I believe that this man had experiences in his life that led up to this time. I don't think this is the first time he's ever heard. He's heard before. The first thing you have when you look at this scripture is there's a waiting sinner. He's sitting there reading the book of Isaiah. The Bible says he's going to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. He's lost as a goose. He don't even know how to worship. But he's gone to Jerusalem to worship, and then on his way back, he's reading the book of Isaiah. He's opened the Word of God. I think probably he saw in Jerusalem some people getting saved. He saw some people that were uh, standing up for Christ. He saw some people maybe being baptized. And as he left and was going home, he's reading this book. God uses different events in our lives to tell us about him. He's always at work. God used a Christian mother in my life. She had a switch. Amen? (laughs) Now, that was before y'all's times. But I'm telling you, 
I don't know, your kids, you young people, I'm sure you're up early on Sunday saying, let's go to the house of God. <laughs> Woo, I can't wait till we get to the house of God. It wasn't that way at our house. Man, we wanted to sleep in. It's the Lord's day, it's a day of rest. Sleep in. She had a switch where she'd get us out of bed. She got us moving pretty quick. I tell people all the time, I, I, was, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church in the morning and drugged to church at night and drugged to church on Wednesday night. I was even drugged to the WMU meetings. Anything that was at the church, I was drugged there. I loved my pastor. I loved preachers up front. We had them in our home all the time. We knew that if, if mama was going to kill two good-looking chickens, we knew the preacher was coming for Sunday dinner. If she killed one strangled-looking, when it was our dinner. So we love preachers to come. We had them all the time. Had them all the time. And I, my daddy's favorite song was this old house. Stuart Hamlet. This old house. Ain't going to need it anymore. And I, I love Stuart Hamlin because of that, because I heard him so much with daddy. But I didn't know all about him. Stuart Hamlin was John Wayne's stunt man. When you see old John Wayne in them movies doing all that crap, that ain't him. That's, that's Stuart Hamblin. And Stuart was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He, he just had a terrible lifestyle. And the Lord reached down and saved him. He was over at John Wayne's house one night, and the Duke asked him, Stuart, what is it that made a change in your life? Stuart looked at him and said, John, it's no secret what God can do. And those words kept ringing with old Stuart Hamlin. He went home in 18 minutes, wrote the song. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man. There's some things he could not do. He could not see over a crowd. But he could run, and he could climb. And he wanted to see Jesus, so he ran and climbed up a sycamore tree. Uh, Angel Martinez, the evangelist, used to say that Zacchaeus came down so fast, the sycamore tree's been slick ever since. <laughs> Jesus walks by and says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, I'm going to your house today. Wow. You see, Zacchaeus was a Jew working for the Roman government. He was hated by his fellow Jews. And yet Jesus invited himself to his house. Uh, I know he got saved because when he hit the ground from that tree, his billfold fell open. That ain't Baptist. <laughs> he said, anytime I've cheated anybody, I'm going to repay you four times. That ain't Baptist. I know he got saved. <laughs> you ever wonder, <laughs> this, this man was responsible. Uh, he was obedient. And he was still lost. You can be a great man. You can be responsible. You can be the citizen of the year. It'd just be wonderful. But if you've never been washed in the blood, you're lost. 
You say, well, preacher, it makes just sense. No, 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 no. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. 1976. That's the year we got married, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was at her church. We were doing a revival meeting. You'll remember the, the night. And uh, the, the, the guy playing the piano, uh, the guy playing the organ was a brother to the, uh, to the sister that was playing the piano. And the mama was a good Christian too. Good family. But their daddy was not saved. And they wanted us to go and visit their daddy. And so we went on a Sunday afternoon. Gene Dixon, blind evangelist here in Longview, was leading the music for us. And... Uh, we went, went into the house, and she said, he's back in the greenhouse, but said, you know, be careful. He don't like preachers. He don't like preachers. We got out there and introduced ourselves and everything. The old man picked up a big ball peen hammer. He said, I'm thinking knock every one of y'all in the head. Uh, he had angrily, uh, you know, not just, I'm going to knock you in the head. I'm over. Hmm. And so uh, Brother Moore said, Charles, take Gene and get him outside. So I, I took Gene outside the door. I thought, I can't leave the preacher in here with this guy with a ball-peen hammer. I said, Gene, stay right here. I'm going back inside. I wasn't going to attack the guy, but I thought I could push the preacher enough, you know, to get him on in there and let him whip him or whatever he's going to do. And uh, he said, I've told you preachers for years there's something missing in my life. And Brother Moore said, hey, that's what we're here for. The thing that's missing is Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing. You get out of here, I'm fixing to crash you. See, he said, okay, we're gone, we're gone. Well, we got outside, Gene wasn't nowhere around. He's blind now. He, he, there's cars all up down that street. We can't find him. We went the one block and back the other block. And finally, he, we found him. He's sitting in, in Brother Moore's car with his hands folded, just whistling up a storm, just enjoying life. We got out of there as fast as we could. We went to church. Nothing happened Sunday night. Nothing happened Monday night. Nothing Tuesday night. Wednesday night, he walked in the back door, sat in the service, and during the invitation, he got saved. Now, he was still a rough old man even after he got saved, but he got saved. He got saved. And he told us there that night as he gave his testimony that he said, I was here at the service last night. I just listened from outside. Nobody knew I was here. He said, I went home convicted. And he said, when I went to bed, I was trying to sleep, and I got up and went to bed and trying to sleep and got up. He said, I finally opened the Bible to the book of Jeremiah. I knew Jeremiah. I'd heard a lot of people talk about Jeremiah. And he said, the Bible flipped over into that scripture. The harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we are not saved. He said, man, I could not get that off my mind. Harvest is past. Are, are you there this morning? How many times have you turned the Lord down? See, we don't know when the number is. We have no idea. But we do know, based on Genesis 6-3, that my spirit will not always strive with man. We do know based on Romans 1 that there comes a time where God said, I'll give you up to your reprobate mind. You're on your own. 
You say, how do you know that? How do you know if God's still working on me? Well, the fact that you're here in a church service is a pretty good sign that, that God's still working. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. If you've told him no, 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 and you can sit through an invitation and the Holy Spirit's not working on your heart, he's not doing anything for you whatsoever, don't bother to come down. Because you can't be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. He was a receptive man. Who would have ever thought that this eunuch would have been interested in spiritual things? I mean, I mean, he's he's from he's he's a eunuch from Ethiopia. They're not Christians over there. Who would have thought that? We had a I think I've told you this story before, but it fits good here. I'm just telling you, God's always at work. He does things we don't have any idea what's going on. One morning we had a doctor saved and we were going out on visitation that night and he said, I want to go with you and Becky. We went to this place in Port Arthur. They had visited a Bible school so we had a, we had a list saying that they were there at Bible school. We went to that address, knocked on the door, told them who we were, our names. She left us. You remember that night? Say yes. So these people are like, I'm lying to them if you don't say yes. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is left to standing on the porch. The door's wide open. Oh, what do we do? She came back. She was as white as a sheet. She invited us in. We came in. And uh, she said, I was on the phone with my mother. She lives in Canada. And the doctor said, oh, I, I'm from Canada. Where does she live? They lived in the same town. God just puts those things together. She said, my mother, I was asking her about salvation. And she said, my mother said, honey, it's so difficult. I'm just going to pray that God sends somebody by to help you. And at that time, we knocked on the door. Hello? And boy, I mean, you know, there's some fruit you just, it falls off the tree, and she just fell off the tree. It was, she was saved. She wanted her husband to be saved. We waited on him. He wouldn't be saved. She got gloriously saved, had a little child, two, three years old. He would not be saved. We visited him, visited him. One night I told two of my deacons that were good soul winners, I said, would you just do me a favor? Would you go one more time? Oh, Brother Charlie, we've been over that house three or four times. That guy, mm. I said, just humor me and go one more time. I promise I won't ask you to go again. They went over there, and he got saved that night. But now they said, Brother Charles, he, he's very timid. He, he, I get, I'm not lying to you. He would make three of me. And he said, he, he ain't going to come down the aisle. He ain't going to do that. I said, well, we'll see. If he's saved, he's saved. You know, praise the Lord, he got saved. You know, God can still work on him. Next morning, an invitation, he was the first one down the aisle. They got in their car going on vacation. He ended up dying in a hotel room in Conroe that night. Listen, I, I don't know when your time is up. I'm telling you this morning, there was a willing sinner waiting but not only do you need a willing sinner, 
you need a willing servant. A servant. You see, Philip was one of the original seven. He was in a revival meeting in Samaria. We're going to find out that that uh, Saul is going to be there hold the clothes for him in the next chapter or so. His obedience came out of prayer and Bible study and submission. And out of that, not because it was logical, but because it was God's will. It's not logical to leave a revival with hundreds and even thousands of people to go look for one. But that's what God said do. That's what God said do. Now, he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He, and he said, no. Uh, it hit a nerve with him. You see, evangelism is an interpersonal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're sitting here this morning, and nobody knows what you're going through. But I guarantee you, most of us in this building today are going through something that's stressing us out, that's keeping us awake at night, that keeps us on edge with our wives and our children. You need a needy person? Well, there's a story where a guy gets mugged and beat up and everything and he's laying on the side of the road. You got a needy person. You need an obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus is there. He's everywhere. So you got the needy person and you got Jesus. The third thing you need, though, is a person that's willing to help that person connect one and two together. That's why in the story of the Good Samaritan, the priest, the guy's needy. Jesus is there, but he walks on the other side. So does the, the, uh, the uh, priest. He walks, the Levite and the priest both walk on the other side. But the Samaritan, you still got that same needy person. You still got Jesus there. But you've got someone in the Good Samaritan that wants to help this needy person connect with Jesus. So much so that he says, hey, I'm going to take him into town, pay his bills, and if, if there's more to it, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it when I get back. The question is, are we willing to be that servant that's willing to connect people's needs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, we're more concerned with our professionalism than we are with our concern for people. I, I want to tell you, I'll be honest with you, you can't work up a genuine concern. I've seen some people just mean as a snake, and hopefully they're saved, I don't know. But they're just mean. You can't work up genuine concern. That has to come from the Holy Spirit of God when he deals with it. Let me give you this last thing. I'm through. There's a wonderful salvation here. Philip shared Jesus from the Old Testament. Oh, I don't care where you look in this Bible. You're going to find Jesus. He's throughout the whole thing. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't make any difference. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. One of the highlights of my ministry was we were in a great revival service. I was baptizing folks at midnight that night. Service started at 6 o'clock. We sang a couple of hours, preached about an hour, had an hour invitation, then I was baptizing. 
And that night, a father came, and I, I knew what he wanted because we'd prayed for his son. His son was very rebellious. We'd been praying for his son for two years. His father came down, and instead of saying, I, I need to pray for my son, he said, I need to be saved. I ain't never been saved. And he was saved that night sitting right there. It was about 11.45, I guess. We had doors like this, except they were all glass in the back. And I saw his son walk through the door. Came right down to where I was in the invitation. You could smell alcohol on him. I mean, he wasn't drunk, drunk, but you could tell he'd been drinking. And he said, Brother Charles, it's just like it was real. God told me that if I didn't get saved tonight, I was never going to be able to be saved. I want to be saved. And he was, gloriously. Now, I want to tell you, I don't believe that he would have ever walked through that door. That kid was shaking. He said, I, I knew God spoke to me. He said, I went to my mom and daddy's house. It was all dark. The car was gone. I thought, they in bed by 9 o'clock. Where in the world are they? And they came to church, and there they were. No one will convince me that man, that daddy, had to come down and said, I need to get this right with God. I need to be saved. That boy would have ever walked through that door. You see, you, you, I don't get mad at me now. You may be what's hindering the very person you want to be saved to get saved because you haven't got your life right. Don't, you know, as the old black lady said, don't, don't sleep with the devil and expect God to pay the bill. I'm just, I'm just, may not be, but I'm telling you this for sure. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a desire to see that everyone's saved. Don't quench him. Charlie was telling us at coffee the other day. I had forgotten about it. He reminded me of the first mission trip we took. I remembered the trip after that. Charlie and Marlon and, and, uh, uh, Kenneth tried to electrocute me. <laughs> yeah. I, I was on the front porch was in Mexico with two wires and they flipped the switch on. Y'all remember that, don't you? Yeah, Marlon does, yeah. All these others do, yeah. Tried to kill me. But God's good. <laughs> All the time. But anyway, we needed $5,000 to finish what we needed for that trip. We had a trailer. This building wasn't here, but we had a trailer out here, and it was all packed. We had done prayed. We were driving out to go to Mexico. And this car, I don't even know who it was. It wasn't a member of our church. It said, I heard y'all were going to Mexico. I wanted you to give a little offering. It's not much, but use it for the glory of God. Opened the envelope, it was $5,000. Just what we needed. Listen, don't you tell me God can't win your lost kin folks. He can. God's able to do all things. Nothing's too hard for him. Two questions. What would have happened if Philip had not been obedient and gone to Gaza? Well, 
probably this eunuch would have never been saved. History tells us that he went back and won the, king, the queen, Candace, to the Lord. And then many were saved in Ethiopia and all of that that spread out to different places. It could very well be that we may not be sitting here as a Christian nation had it not been for one person who was obedient to go do what God said do. Second question is, what would have happened if he had delayed going? I mean, there's a lot of us here today that we love missions and we love, we love soul winning. We, we think people ought to be saved and everything. We just delay doing it. See, if, if he would have delayed, then God's divine plan of that crossroads there where the eunuch met with Philip, Philip would have missed it. He would have been too late. He would have missed it. Now, let me go back and just close out. I've got to hurry because there's something I really need to tell you. Everything you've heard today will do no good if you're not saved yourself. If you're trying to witness people and you've never been saved, everything we've said, I don't care how many sinners you got down there, you've got to be saved yourself. So, Brother Charles, I'm ready to be saved today. What do I need to do? Well, you need to admit that you're a sinner. Now, don't go wild because everybody in here is. There's not a person in this auditorium that deserves being saved. The McCamey sing that song, I know how I made it. I made it by grace. It's the only way we made it. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hmm. Second thing, though, was while we were in sin, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. For us. He provided a way of escape. He provided a way, Daddy, for you to get to see your child and your wife when they get to heaven. He provided a way. How? Well, Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, there's a big push going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. God love them. They, pastors think they're, 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 they're really educated above their intelligence. And they think that God has chosen some to be saved and he's chosen some to be lost. Hmm. And they say there's no reason to have a public invitation. There's no such thing as inviting Jesus into your heart. I wonder what they do with this scripture. Just throw it away. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart, God raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made. That sounds a whole lot to me like inviting Jesus into my heart. Now, you can call it whatever you want to, surrender your life, do whatever, but it's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. There's a lot of folk going to end up going to hell over 16 inches. That's the width, the, the length of the brain to the heart. They know all about God. They think they know God. They have all the details, but they've never had a heart experience. And the only way that comes is through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have preachers that 
they jump me every Monday when we have our little circled phones and and uh, you know they say well you're baptizing people that just come down to invite Jesus in their heart how do you know they were saved I said how do I know you're saved huh I want to tell you right now all that's above my pay scale it ain't up to me to decide if you're saved or not that's between you and God you can do whatever you want to do with it and then I love that last one that caps it off Romans 10 13 whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I'm asking you this morning don't hesitate the devil's sitting right now on your uh, arm saying you can do it next week yeah if you live next week you can do it you don't need to do that I'm telling you you do pray with me father in the name of Jesus would you fall fresh on this place God to a point Lord we just stand in awe of you thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's in this place today and I pray Lord Jesus Satan would not have any control over lives today Lord I pray that you would open the gates of heaven and your spirit would be surreal that people would have to do what you want them to do. We love you, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?